fine. <laughs> okay, well, we're back with a new episode, and I am so excited for this episode. Aidesha, I know you're excited. I'm very excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> yes, we have a special guest um, today, um, and this guest is very, very near and dear to my heart. She's my mentor, and she's the person that's really that really like sparked my passion for the counseling field. Um, our guest today is Dr. Charmaine Connor. So, Dr. Charmaine Connor, huh? I said hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, hello. So Charmaine is an assistant professor in the Counseling and Human Services program at Roosevelt University in Chicago, Illinois. She earned her PhD in counseling at the University of North Texas. Her dissertation focused on the experiences of Black translationally adopted families. Dr. Connor is a licensed professional counselor, um, a nationally certified counselor with experience providing mental health services to children, adolescents, and adults in a variety of settings, residential, private practice, and nonprofit agencies. She specializes in play therapy, servicing, ch servicing children who are transracially adopted, children who have experienced trauma, and children who have demonstrated academic and behavioral concerns. Her commitment to serving minority populations and infusing social justice practices into the counseling profession, has continued through her scholarly publications, presentations at professional conferences, and mentorship with former students and supervisees. And I am a former student, of course. So <laughs> let's go ahead and just jump right into this. Um, we have some topics for you today. So we're, we'll, we, we will be discussing mental health in the Black community, um, single and singleness. So really those two topics, but those are pretty... Mm -hmm pretty pretty large okay let's get into it all right so the first question that i have um when we think about mental health in the black community it's definitely something that's very stigmatized um and what why do you believe that's the case oh there's a long history of um not wanting to go and see any doctor and it's not our own fault this came from the practices of white people. We, the quote-unquote father of gynecology did unauthorized surgeries on women who were black or our African ancestors and took their body parts without consent and provide like the horrific things that he did to these black women for the purpose of creating the field of gynecology created a lot of distrust. So that's one of the earliest moments in which the distrust between medical professionals and the black community started. And then we, uh, in addition to that, there was the Tuskegee experiment where black men were a part of a research study in which they were injected with syphilis. And once the cure became available, the researchers did not give the cure to those black men. They did not give them the cure. So thinking about just those two historical events among the many other ones, there's a reason why that mistrust is there. It's a valid reason. Also, you have to take into consideration that the church has played a role in yes. the stigmatization yeah. of mental health because and I will say this, I have recently belonged to two churches who have advocated for black people, you need to go and get your mental health. You need to go and take it back. 
You need to go and get those services. But growing up, it was always, let's pray it away. Let's pray everything away. Um, And I'm going to share something personal with you all that I know you don't know, Nakia. But I was sexually abused in my pre-adolescence. And instead of the pastor, so my mom being a religious person, decided, oh, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to go talk to the pastor about this. I told my mama, I want to go and see a therapist. She's like, oh, we're going to talk to the pastor first. The pastor's recommendation was that I meet with him for prayer and forgiveness of the perpetrator. Yet I'm depressed. I was suicidal. And I needed to be in somebody's probably hospital because of the things that I wanted to do to myself and to my offender. I told my mom one day I walked in her room, if you don't take me to a therapist, I will never talk to you again. I was a stubborn child. She knew I meant that. And so she booked me an appointment to see a therapist. And that was what I needed to get through that uh, the abuse at that time and the developmental phase that I was in. Because one thing that people also don't know is that going to therapy once doesn't mean that you're going to get over these things forever, especially if you have trauma. Trauma impacts you at different developmental phases. At that moment in time, I needed a therapist to help me navigate my adolescence and my my own curiosity about sex, but also the violation that sex had on me at the young age of 12 and 13. And now as an adult, I have another therapist that I'm going to working through that as I prepare to eventually get married maybe in the next 10 years we don't know (laughs) um which we're going to get to singleness later but there there are layers to this so that mistrust is there because of previous things that have happened because of the church because the church refers to people as being crazy or you know you just need to rely on god well, here's the thing about god he 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 allowed this entire profession to come into fruition And these services, while I won't say that counseling was created for black people, because I don't necessarily believe that if we're going to talk about the inception of any profession, nothing in this country was created for us. However, there are more black mental health professionals available now, and we're trying to change the game. And so when it comes to mental health, I think that the stigma is there because of history and because of religion. And we need to go and take our mental health back. Josh, what do I say? (laughs) That was fantastic. Y'all are so silly. (laughs) Okay, and so relating back to what you said about you know this stigma about um, the black mental health, how can we combat that? Like, how can we combat people saying, "Well, you know, pray it away," or black men saying? Therapy for us is in the barbershop, or I don't want to tell anyone all my business, or that you're a simp if you go to therapy. Well, how, how can we combat this issue? <laughs> a simp. <laughs> yes. One of the things that has to happen is that we need, we need more black people to buy into counseling. So I, I bought into counseling because of my own experience. My experience with that therapist That changed the game. That kept me from acting on a homicidal ideation. That kept me from acting on a suicidal ideation. I can honestly say, I don't know if I'd be here today if I didn't go and get therapy. So using our own testimonies about how therapy has impacted us and changed us for the better, we also have to stop calling people crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We have to stop that. <laughs> yes. That, that has to stop. Yes. We, we have to stop calling people crazy because craziness, the idea of craziness or insanity is all linked to previous mental health disorders back in the early 18, 1900s. And that's not okay. It's a reference to asylums. If a, it's a reference to people that needed psychological help, but we hadn't advanced as a society yet to really understand the best ways to help those people. So we have to stop calling people crazy. We also have to stop excusing behavior. So one of the things that happens a lot in the black community, I'm gonna come for um, I'm gonna come for black men a little bit. Okay, okay. We're- I'm gonna come for black men. <laughs> Um, And I'm just going to give a scenario. You know, you have a um, a black little boy who grows up and this child, you know, they're labeled aggressive. Now, there's two layers here. If a teacher is laboring a black child as aggressive, that's problematic because they're not taking in consideration the things that are going on at home and the systemic issues that might be impacting this child and affecting their ability to show up in the classroom. But also on the other end of that is we have a lot of parents excusing behavior. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of parents saying, oh, well, that's just the way he is Mm -hmm. or that's just the way she is. Yes. Come for the black women, too. You know, well, she just gets anxious and, you know, she crazy. So that excusal of behavior says that, well, she don't really need no help. She just needs to go cool off or she needs Mm -hmm. to go and lay down somewhere. We need to stop excusing behavior. We need to stop calling people crazy. We need the black mental health professionals, which we do this. So I'm not really calling us out, but we need more of us in the field who are going in our communities and talking about mental health with people. And we need the church. We need the church to reverse some of the damage that they have done. Um, Concord Church in Dallas is my home church. I go there there too. And love Concord. I love (laughs) Pastor Carter. Love Pastor Carter. And I love that our church has the Harmony Counseling Center and that there is a push for getting mental health services in the black community. And I I really do love that uh, Pastor Carter advocates for that. He talked about that in the sermon last Sunday and he's talked about it before and they have a mental health day celebration. Mental Health Awareness Month is in um, May, I believe. And there's a whole Sunday service that's dedicated to mental health and he preaches about it. And then there's a mental health fair so that people can meet with counselors in the community. And so we need more churches doing things like that. That's one of the ways in which we're gonna take away the stigma. And we also need employers to understand that people need have mental health needs and grace needs to be given when those people may need a day off or when they need to go and see their therapist. So it's my take on that. So when we think about um, self-care and the importance of self-care, how important would you say self-care is right now, especially when we consider our current climate? Um, I wrote this question last week before the election results happened, but even now um, there's still a lot going on and Mm -hmm. Joe Biden is not in the White House yet. So there's still some mm-hmm. things that can happen between now and then, but what it like what what self care tips do you have? Um, and you know if you could just explain the overall importance of self care and how it can look different um, for everybody. Well, Nakia, now you know you've you've been a student of mine. I don't give tips and tricks out. You know that's not oh that's not gosh. who I am. That's <laughs> not who I am. But I will say this: 
When it comes to self-care, it is 100% important because if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. Correct. Right. And no one else is obligated to unless you're a child. So you need to take care of yourself. Here's the thing. I won't tell you any tips or tricks. I will tell people you need to figure out what self-care means for you. Self-care has become a word that has become minimalized because people have commercialized the word now. And everybody wants to talk about self-care. We got people who are not mental health professionals out here talking about self-care and making brands on self-care. And I'm not knocking you getting your money. Go get your money. Go get your coin. But also, we need to take a step back. And really look at what does self-care mean. It means taking care of yourself. So you need to define what that means for you. And then you need to go out and do it. My definition of self-care is very, very simple. Very simple. It is being intentional about everything that I do throughout the day that will bring me mental peace. That's it. That's all that my self-care definition is. So what that might look like is today... I need to go and get a coat because it's about to get really cold here in Chicago in the next couple of months. And I don't want to be caught out here slipping and anxious trying to find a coat. Then sad when a coat isn't available to me because everyone has gone to buy them all up. So I'm making a decision today to go and get a coat. And I have plenty of coats, but I need a Chicago coat. That's different. Self-care also might mean, huh? I really want to lay in this bed and scroll on these TikTok videos, but I also know that I need to clean up my apartment because when I don't feel like my apartment is clean, I'm not able to be productive. Right. So sometimes people think that self-care is all about relaxation and take a bath and go shopping and get a massage. Those can be self-care things for some people, but sometimes self-care doesn't always feel good. Sometimes self-care is go ahead and start and wash day early so that the rest of your weekend can be to yourself. It's being intentional, or at least in my definition, it's being intentional. And it may mean writing in your planner all the things that you need to be doing throughout the week so you're not rushing into meetings or not prepared for meetings. So I don't have any tips and tricks for you, but I will say you need to figure out what self-care means for you and then go out and do it. I like that. To each his own. Yeah. Yeah, to each his own. I like that, you know, but in your definition, it's like just kind of like ways to set you up for like, like you said, mental peace and like that, like long-term success so that you're not overwhelmed throughout the week. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so yeah, it's just, you know, whatever it looks like, whatever it looks like for you and whatever, you know is the best mm-hmm. for you very person-centered but you know anyway <laughs> that's who i am you know that yeah. is who i am piggying back off of uh, mental health just to sort of tie that up um what are some resources that you think people can utilize as far as finding a good therapist because finding a black therapist is like finding a needle in a haystack <laughs> I know for me so <laughs> it took me a, six months to find someone mm-hmm that I like. There are three um, main resources and the third one, I want to make sure I say it right. So let's see. Okay. The first one I would say is get onto psychology today. And when you go on psychology today, you can 
search specifically for a black therapist in your area. So Psychology Today will tell you that information. And you'll figure out everyone that's available to you in a, however much of a mile radius. The second resource that I have for you is therapyforblackgirls.com. Have you all heard of that? I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Therapyforblackgirls.com. Also, you can look at, for the men, therapyforblackmen.org. Therapyforblackmen.org. And then, okay. hmm There also are a lot of therapists on social media. Now, here's the thing. Don't reach out to a therapist on social media, but you can get onto Instagram or Facebook and just type in black therapists in Dallas, black therapists in Atlanta, black therapists in, I don't know, California. And you can find all the people that may be on social media and you can look through their page and figure out, do they speak to some of the things that you want to speak to? So that's one thing. Now, here's the thing. All therapists aren't created equally. So I would encourage everyone to do an interview. There are a couple of things that you need to be looking for when you're looking for a therapist. Is your therapist licensed? That's going to be important. You're going to want to know what their licensure is. So in your state, in specific states, it's very different. In the state of Texas, you're looking for a licensed professional counselor or a licensed professional counselor intern. Now, nothing against social workers and psychologists, but my professional identity is in counseling. So I'm always, I'm gonna promote counseling first. If you want a clinical social worker or want to go see a psychologist, that's your business. But in the state of Texas, you're gonna wanna check licensure, LPC or LPC intern. The LPC intern is working under a licensed professional counselor supervisor. So they're likely going to be pretty good for the most part because they're getting direct supervision every week. Sometimes people shy away from interns. And I'm like, it's not really the case. I actually am more worried about the people who have been LPCs for 20 years because they think they can just do whatever they want to do. Whereas an intern, they're fresh out of school. They're up to date on the current methods and things. It, it's your choice. You're also want to look at, gonna want to look at what is their theoretical orientation? Because that's gonna be important. Nakia said my theoretical orientation earlier, and it's person-centered. So I believe in humanism. I believe that all people deserve equity. And I tie that into my social justice work as well. But a lot of times what I've seen from counselors is that they'll say, well, I'm person-centered and cognitive behavioral and solution-focused. Yeah. And I'm just going to tell you that that is not okay. That's not okay at all. Those are, you you don't even know what you're doing if you're doing all of that. Person-centered is a humanistic Mm -hmm. umbrella. Behavioral theories are under a behavioral umbrella. Those are two different sides of the spectrum. So this person out here is pulling from just a a harmony bag of tricks and techniques. That's it. And I, I really do question it. I know it's a really popular thing for the people that are out there, and some people might come for me on that, but I don't care. I'm a purist when it comes to theory. So you need to be looking at licensure. You need to be looking at what their theory is. And you also should interview them and ask them, how do you incorporate multicultural social justice work in your work as a clinician? Even if they're black, you need to ask that question. Yeah. Because 
we all have different levels of what social justice means to us. And those are the things that you need to be looking for. So remember, licensure theory and do an interview asking them about multicultural social justice issues. You're telling me stuff I didn't even know. Right. <laughs> That's a, a really good point about the like counselors who have like a ton of like theories. Because isn't that is is that considered eclectic or something like that? When you like when you use like theory like like multiple theories in your work, is that they will claim to be uh, integrative. the The term we used to use back in the day was eclectic. They tried to say it's I'm an integrative counselor now. The thing about being an integrative counselor, is so. Me, as person-centered, I'm 90% person-centered. I'm not 100% person-centered. There's sometimes I might be working with a client, I'm feeling like my back is against the wall, and I'm like, okay, I got to pull from another theory here. Right. So in that sense, I might begin to integrate another theory into my work with that client. However, that don't mean I'm stepping over into cognitive behavioral. I ain't got no business right. over in the cognitive behavioral domain at all because <laughs> that is under a behavioral umbrella. Right. If I am under the humanistic umbrella, the only theories that I'm pulling for are humanistic theories. And that's going to be gestalt, existential, and person-centered, and also experiential. That's it. I ain't got no business stepping in that other lane. In the same ways that someone who operates from CBT has no business coming over in the humanistic lane. And these are things that's how that... Wait, go ahead. What'd you say? What were you going to say, Nakia? I was going to say, like, these are things that really are for counselors. Because if you're not a counselor, you probably have no idea what we're talking about. But Yeah, I have no idea. I'm <laughs> yes. like, what? I was like, yes. are you counselors out there that are listening? This probably make you, you, you can understand. Yes, that, but... that is... <laughs> that's more for you. What I want what I want potential clients to understand is that if you are working with a counselor who is saying, I pull from person centered and solution focused and cognitive behavioral and narrative and feminist, they don't know who they are as a counselor. And I'll just leave right. it at that. What you'll see. So if you ever go to psychology Because see, me looking at that, I would think, well, this person's well versed in, in multiple mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. If but now know, I see. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it makes sense. That's a very yeah. good point. <laughs> and I mean, I, I see that a lot. I can. I've been trained in all of these theories, so like right. I understand them all. But that's not how I practice. I have an under, mm-hmm. and that's what they're they're really trying to communicate is that they have an understanding of all these things. But if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing ethically, you're working from a consistent and congruent theoretical orientation, and that's mm-hmm. where I'll leave that. Period. Wow. <laughs> and then um, on top of that, you know, therapy is really expensive. Do you know of any resources people can utilize to sort of cut the cost on that? Well, some clinicians offer a sliding scale. Okay. Um, when you say therapy is really expensive, I just had this conversation with my students. So <laughs> tell me what you mean by therapy is expensive. Like my therapist is like a hundred dollars an hour, mm-hmm. but my dad's insurance allows me to get ninety percent of it waived, so I haven't paid for anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking now, if he didn't have that insurance plan, I mean, I'm in law school right now. There's no way I can afford to pay mm-hmm. for therapy mm-hmm. every other week. And my parents, I mean, they're like, okay, well, you know, are, are you eating this week? Like, you know, other things are going to take priority mm-hmm. over that. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yes, the this is this is a problem in the counseling field. Uh, well, not no, it's not a problem in the counseling field. It's, it's a battle between insurance companies. Yes. So I'll just break mm-hmm. it down like this: 
when you go to a doctor, every doctor that you encounter is, I'm thinking even general practice doctors, every doctor is making at least $100,000. At least. Right. Your specialty doctors, when you go to your OBGYN or if you go to a gastroenterologist or things like that, they're making somewhere between 500000 and up per year. And the insurance companies pay those doctors very well. Now, if you were to ask a doctor, does mental health matter? They're going to say, oh, yes. Oh, mental health matters. So then why is it that insurance companies only want to pay therapists about 40000 to $50,000 a year? Wow. This is robbery. This is robbery. If it matters. It's a disparity. If it matters. Yeah. So when you're there, so this is what I do. I don't take insurance. I refuse to take insurance because also when you take insurance or if your insurance, mm, maybe I don't know about reimbursement particularly, but I know that if a therapist takes insurance, it is about 90% likely that they will be required to give you a mental health diagnosis for you to receive benefits. Yeah. That can be harmful. And this is why informed consent is so important. Your therapist should be having this conversation with you because insurance companies don't cover benefits unless there's a diagnosis present Mm -hmm. for the most part. I have yet to encounter it. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. So you might want to check with your therapist about that. So Write this down, y'all. Write this down. Yes, I'm, I'm taking a breather. Write it down. <laughs> I'm taking a breather here because when you say you don't know that, that tells me that you need your to follow up with your therapist. Did not cover this. So anyway, yeah. when they take insurance, they're required to give a diagnosis. Also, when a therapist takes insurance for treatment, the therapist is not the one that decides the duration of your treatment. The insurance company does. Also. That diagnosis that has been placed up on you when they build that insurance company, that becomes a part of your permanent record. Meaning that when you get a background check done for a job or for getting a house or getting into an apartment, those people have access to all of that information. Yeah. And decisions yeah. can be made about your life based off of a mental health diagnosis which is not fair at all and should and we need some laws that protect against that but when it comes to finding housing when it comes to applying to be in the military that's not the case you're not protected in those ways so it can really impact people's livelihood so with that being said there's that part on the insurance end when it comes to clients in private pay People see $150 and they're like, oh my gosh, like, why are you charging so much? But here's what you're paying for. You're paying for the 50 minutes that you sit in front of your therapist. You're paying for your therapist to accurately document what occurred in the session. Should you ever need that information for any kind of court case at all. You are also paying for your clinician to have the resources to be able to treat whatever's happening for you adequately. Mm -hmm. They may need to go and get professional development. They may need access to journals. 
so that they can read about the best practices for working with you. So that 150 is not like, oh, well, they're pocketing all of that. They're probably only pocketing about 65% of that. Because the rest of that is going to maintaining professional organizations so that they can stay current on best practice, learning more about any emerging therapies that could be coming into play. And then also you are paying for their time in the same ways that you pay for time when you go to the doctor. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I definitely need to ask that question. And we need that I, I feel like one, I, I don't disagree that mental health can be expensive for people who have low SES um, status. I don't discount that at all. And that's where a sliding fee comes into play. I offer a sliding fee. The lowest that I go is like $45 per session. But we've got to change the perspective. And people are going to have to grasp this concept that your mental health is an investment in, in yourself. Think of it as if you decided you wanted to buy a house. You don't make that decision and say, you don't wake up on a Saturday and say, I'm going to go buy a house tomorrow. There's years of planning that goes into that. When you decide that you want to go to law school, you are making a financial sacrifice to go to law school. So why is mental health not a priority for our community? We're not asking you to come and be our client for 10 years. That's not what we're asking for. We want you to come get your mental health. That could be six months that you're making a financial sacrifice to say, you know what? This is a sacrifice I'm going to make for the next six months to get myself in a much more mentally stable place. And then I'm going to be okay. That's it. Right. Yeah. Because I know I used to... I think people just need to... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I was going to say, I used to make sacrifices to make sure my weave was done. <laughs> but you know what, though? I did. Yeah, saying, yeah, look, yeah. You are saying the facts because I did. a lot I'm of people. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I used to make sacrifices. I'd be like, oh, no. we got to shift some money around. We got to save this 580 to get this. Yes. yes. Still yes. do it. Still do it. Aisha <laughs> said, that's me. That's, that's me, bro. <laughs> that, that 580 <laughs> is. That 580 is about five weeks of therapy. Of mm-hmm. that's all I'm gonna say. But go ahead, what you were gonna say, Nakia? <laughs> you said it. I, mean, I was gonna say. I mean, yes. When you think about a lot of a lot of us, a lot of black women, we will spend hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars on our on our hair, on our appearance. But our but our mental, our minds is in, is in shambles. Like our mental health. Our wellness, our overall wellness is literally in shambles. But we look good. And, I, and, I, and that's the thing. And I don't like, want to be one of those people that are like, oh, y'all out here spending money on Jordans, but you won't da, da, da. I don't want that to be what comes <laughs> out of this. What I'm saying is, because for some people, your hair looking good is a part of your mental health. And I'm not going to knock that. It, yeah. It's, yes. That's and true. For me, it is. Yeah. I'm not going to knock that. <laughs> me too. But what I'm going to say too. I agree. is. If we start thinking about this as an investment, because I know when I wanted my new car, I saved up to get it. So if I can move things around to get the things that I want, I guess my mental health really ain't important to me then. Mm-hmm. It just I think it just it begins sure. with us like people just need to understand the 
the importance i don't think i don't think people just they don't they don't they don't they don't see the value in it and that's Mm -hmm. the problem it's like whenever whenever that starts to click then things will change but it's like until people really understand that everything it really starts in here like in your mental Mm -hmm. like that it it i mean lives will be changed but it's just Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know i think as counselors or me as a future counselor and then you as a counselor like you know just doing our our job and advocacy mm-hmm. and just really you know again educating people and you know advocating for us because that that's the only thing that's gonna that's gonna change it i will say in recent years i've seen more black people want to come to mental health yeah i uh, want to come to counseling to get their mental health under control because they realize like they're starting not to be able to function they're getting more irritable with people mm-hmm. they're slacking off mm-hmm. at work or their you know work is in jeopardy and so then they feel like okay i don't have a choice but to make this investment and people seem to find a way and mind you i'm not talking about people in low ses low ses backgrounds right now but for those who are in low ses backgrounds there are community agencies that offer services as low as five dollars at the University of North Texas, community participants can go to the Child and Family Resource Clinic and they will look, they will take your income and look at how many people live in your home and you can get sessions to be reduced as little as $5 per session. At that, at this point, there is no excuse. There's no excuse. Do you have to be a student you, to do, to, to you be do a student not have to a... be a student to go to either the Child and Family Resource Clinic or the Counseling and Human Development Center at University of North Texas. You don't have to be a student to do that. You can be a... Yeah. And this is different than if you're listening for the, any UNT, UNT students who um, know about like the, the counseling or counseling testing services in, like, in, in Chestnut. That's this is completely different. different. Both of our... Yeah, this is Both different. of the counseling centers through the counseling program at the University of North Texas are the primary focus is to service the community. So... Wow. I just, well, yeah, take that's notes. great. Thank take you. Take notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. All Ooh. right, so we're going to go ahead and transition into our next topic for this episode. Um, uh, singleness. So yes. I feel like singleness is like one of those words you hear as a black woman. And you're like, ugh, I'm cringing. I don't want to be single. Right. I wanna- <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a, it's I frowned upon. I mean, yeah. honestly, I don't cringe anymore, but I know I used to cringe. And I have friends that cringe at it. But before we get started, I want to dive into some statistics real quick because I did do some research on this before I um, wanted to go get into this real fast. So if we look at the stats, seven out of 10 black women are unmarried and three out of 10 may never marry. Hmm. And then it says, um, the research says that they have noted that black women are frequently provided with conflicting messages about intimate relationships by elders and their families in the community um um this is boyd franklin um wrote he says that one is a message of independence so like you know god bless the child who has her own you know she got her own and then with this implication that black women that black men cannot be trusted to stay with and provide for women and the other message is that a woman's utmost goal is to find a black man who will take care of her oh my gosh yes (laughs) <laughs> so let's look at that so i mean we we i'm sure we've all heard that you know both those messages i know i have you know like you be independent go get your own go do what you gotta do for yourself don't worry don't don't depend on a man and then that's what i've heard really my, all my life is really that but i've met people who've heard that and you know i need i need to find a man a good man to take care of me 
blase blase so that's that <laughs> Charmaine but give us your opinion on like so when did you begin to embrace your singleness because me and you have talked about this personally but please share you know what you want to share with the, with the public I've been embracing my singleness all my life <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> wow um, <laughs> I did I did get both messages however I don't know I'm a very observant person, so I observed the relationships that the women in my family had, and I was like, yeah, no, I ain't interested. I'm good on all of that, and that's how it's been, because, like, in my entire life, to be honest with you all, I have only had two boyfriends in, in my entire life, one in high school who... He was an obligatory boyfriend, you know, it was like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to do this. (laughs) All right, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. And then once in college, and that was a unique situation because he was the type that wanted to keep a woman. And when I say keep, he was so bent on making sure that I was kept. And he thought that money meant something to me. I almost said something very inappropriate. I forgot. I can't say certain things on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he thought that money that money made me happy. And I'm like, what you don't know about me is sis been getting a coin since I was about 10. So you can blame my grandfather for that. It was my grandfather who instilled in me a ridiculous work ethic and it never came from a place of like don't have a man taking care of you he just I was the oldest granddaughter and he just took a liking to like you need to have a strong work ethic and you always need to be able to get your own and utilize your own resources and I think for him it was like a don't depend on anyone and part of the reason why I think that happened is because my father died when I was younger so He didn't want that to impact me and make me feel like I was going to always be out here searching for my father's love. And so he showed up in a lot of ways that, you know, grandparents shouldn't have to. But anyway, that that relationship back in college, I was 2009. My goodness. Yeah. And that was about four months. So. Wait, the, the relationship lasted yeah, four months? Yeah, because he cheated, mm-hmm. and um, I was a savage back then. So I <laughs> I found out he was cheating, but I didn't say anything immediately. I, I didn't have a car, so I needed him to take my stuff home for the summer. So I, I just played a cute little role for about three weeks. And then he took my stuff home. And as soon as the last thing got unloaded, I was like, oh, thank you. And by the way, we're not together anymore. I'm not like that no more. Wow. I've grown and matured. Wow. But that did happen. Love that. that. That did happen. I mean, that's hey, but that yeah. I, you got a lot of patience. <laughs> no, well, really. I guess I just didn't really I care. Know. I'm like, oh, if you're going to cheat, you don't want to be with me. That's fine. But I do need you to take these things to my place. But... <laughs> I've always embraced being single. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's a it's a peace. That scripture in the Bible that says a peace that surpasses your own understanding. I don't think y'all understand that. I 
there is a peace in being single. And I think there's certain levels to it. Uh, back in my 20s, I was single in situationships, kind of. <laughs> so I still had people on my phone. For the last, what, six years now, my phone has been completely dry. And I have not participated in any of the foolishness. And the peace that I have is beautiful. Wow. So you're, that isn't, the fact that your phone has been dry, that is not bothering you. Absolutely not. Well, like you're like, whatever, it is I what it is. I actually don't like what people call and text me. I be wanting to be left alone. I, <laughs> I tell Nick, <laughs> Nikia, you know how every time he's like, you, you don't ever answer your text. I'm like, because I'm busy. I be busy. So I like to be left alone. What did it take for you to reach that level of peace? You know, because you have social media, you have all these people in relationships, and then your family also can sort of force that marriage upon you. Yes. Oh, no, my yeah. family, really they tried one time. I think it was Thanksgiving 2016. Um, one of my aunts was like, when you going to get married and settle down and have kids? And I said, public service announcement. <laughs> Don't ask me about my grades, a boyfriend, when I'm getting married, how much money I'm making, because it ain't none of your business. And ever since then, they don't ask. Wow. They don't ask. So I I have very good boundaries. (laughs) Very good boundaries. She does. Yes. She really does. She's really good at that. I don't. Yeah. That my family, mm -mm, even my mom, like my mom, she People at church will be like, oh, when is Charmaine going to get married? And she'll be like, don't ask her that question because it's none of your business. Because I don't, I don't view marriage as an accomplishment. I don't view being in a relationship as an accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. I don't. And that's the key. I, I think a lot of women find their value mm-hmm. from being in a relationship or getting mm-hmm. married. Like they feel like, mm-hmm. you know, a source of like their value comes from that. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. No, it's a choice. It is a choice. Like you got to think about it. Like, yeah. You are waking up next to the same person every day. You're you choosing to text the person, talk to the person, call the person. You're choosing to clean up behind the person for the people that do that. That's not my ministry. I don't clean up behind nobody. Not even my, not even my five-year-old nephew. As long as you are able-bodied, I'm not cleaning up behind you, period. So... You you got all these different things that you're making choices about. You're choosing to go on a date with this person. You're choosing to put up with their BS. You're choosing to go and have vacations. You're choosing to be out here having game nights and couples trips. And that's a choice. And I'm choosing to lay on my couch and watch Hallmark movies. <laughs> Women, I, I was talking to one of my friends last night. It's just like we don't know how to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Right. I do. I, I know how. That's, that's a good mm-hmm. <laughs> You do. Mm-hmm. And more of us need to learn how to be like you. <laughs> and also people, yes. people don't know how to be alone. I have this theory. Yes. I have this theory that yes. before anybody gets married, and I believe this is male, female, non-binary, trans, before you get married, period, person, you need to be out here taking care of yourself by yourself for at least six months, you need to be out here knowing what it's like to be alone for at least six months because people get their identity so wrapped up into their partners. And I just had this conversation last night with a friend 
I'm a little concerned about any man that's approaching me because my I'm so comfortable with myself. I'm very secure in who I am as a person and my boundaries are strong, as Nakia has mentioned. So if you're stepping to me wrong, I don't have to deal with any of that. I don't need a man. There's no function that a man can provide for me. There's nothing that a man has to do for me at all. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not even sex. I'm my best orgasm. Okay. I handle all of this over here. (laughs) I do, do not need a man for anything. I don't need a warm body in the bed with me. I get hot at night. I don't need a man for anything. (laughs) See? So if I am choose if I'm in a relationship, you you better understand I'm choosing to be here. Choosing. Yeah. It's a choice. Yep. Well, um, you said it. Well, I don't know what else. <laughs> Let me see what else. <laughs> like my remaining questions are like, ooh, I don't know. Um so the next one, because I, I deleted one because I'm like, we don't have to discuss that because you already mentioned it, but do you think highly educated or financially and financially successful black women are willing to date black men without the same level of education or success? Mm. Yes and no. Would you? Yes, but I have stipulations. I have stipulations. So you don't have to have a P. I don't, I don't have to date somebody that has a PhD. I don't have to particularly date someone who has a degree at all, but you you do need to know how to hold a conversation and carry a conversation with me because I yes. like to talk. So <laughs> I, I need that to happen. And I also want to debunk this idea that because you have degrees, you're smart. That ain't true. Ooh, mm. say that. That ain't true. Yeah. I, <laughs> And this is coming from a person who is a PhD holder, okay? I know a lot about one subject area, counseling. I have a PhD in counseling, meaning that I know a lot about counseling. You throw some financial advisory information in front of my face, and I'm going to be looking at you crazy and blinking. Okay? So this idea that people who have degrees are the smartest people in the world that ain't true i'm not taking away from our intelligence because there is intelligence there but intelligence is not a reflective of a degree period right right think about it as much as i don't care for this person ti is highly intelligent he don't act like it but he's highly intelligent (laughs) and last time i checked he ain't got no degrees I don't care for him at all, but he's an example that I wanted to use. So this idea that you have to have a degree to be intelligent, that's false. That's very false. So that part right there. And then as far as money goes, it's a yes and a no for me. Yes, I can be with a man that makes less money than me if he is secure in himself and secure in his ego. Because I will square up with somebody that think that Mm -hmm. they gonna play with me because I make more money than them and be insecure about that. Like, we will fight. We will fight. Very true. So, because that's because I I could see that being very problematic, you know, with men and their ego of like, you know, not wanting to not feeling secure because a woman makes more than them or feeling like they have to overcompensate because their woman makes more than them. Yeah, if you're not securing yourself, then you don't need to come to me with that. But if you are secure with yourself, then that's fine. And and then also, it's my responsibility to never throw that up in your face. 
Right. It's true. That happens a yeah. lot. Because that happens. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that's that's a problem too. That happens mm-hmm. happen a and lot. It, and and if, if I, something goes wrong. If I feel like you're not carrying some of these bills in this household, then I don't need to be with you. But that's my decision to make. Um, <laughs> for me, I just want somebody that's going to be honest and loyal and not cheat because I don't believe in cheating. Cheating is unnecessary and I don't take cheaters back, period. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. So what do you think that what well clearly you are just fine with being single, but are there any cons do you think about being single? Taking out the trash. Right. <laughs> be, just being honest, take simple. <laughs> Simple. Taking out, to, Simple. That, it's the one thing I don't like to do. I just be, I be sitting over there, I be looking at the trash, the trash be looking back at me, and I be like, one of us gotta go. So, <laughs> right, one of us gotta go. I don't like it. Um, who is it gonna be? I and I, I don't get lonely. So I think that that's another thing. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. I don't get lonely if. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling like I'm by myself and I'm bored in the house, I'm going to call my nephew because he is hilarious. I'm going to call him. I'm going to call my mama and talk to my mama. I'm going to call my best friend. I'm going to catch up with some of my friends who are married in relationships. I will also go out to dinner by myself. I have dinner dates by myself once a oh, week. Oh, yeah. Man. That is your thing. You, you said what, Nakia? That's your yes, thing. I every the dinner dates with yourself. At least yeah. one day on the weekend, I get dressed up and cute with a full face of makeup on for me. And I go out and have dinner. I take a book with me and my AirPods with me because I might want to listen to a podcast or listen to a new album or I might want to read. I don't know, but that's what I do. And you know what? That, that, that needs to so be normalized. Mm-hmm. That needs to be yes. normalized. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am my best day. Yes, because people... Are... People act like they can't do anything I... by themselves, you know? Yes. Like, one of my goals this right. year, like, next summer, is to take a trip by myself somewhere. I have done it's that me. as well. So, if you want to talk about that, Aidesha, yeah. uh, we can talk about that at a later date. I, I went to Ghana by myself for 10 whole days. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the men over, how was that? The, it was beautiful. And the men over in Ghana, now, now they they do the kind of kept that I like. I don't need you to keep me with money at all. But they was offering to carry <laughs> my bags, and they were you know cooking me food and stuff. That's the kind of keptness I like. That's what I like to be kept by. Mm. I don't need you to pay for nothing. I got the, <laughs> the finances over here, okay? But they were cooking food for me when I got sick there. The um, the cook in the restaurant yeah. sent soup up to my room and he sent someone to check on me every couple of hours and then they gave me this herbal tea. That's the kind of keptness I like. And when none of them trying to be my man, what? they was just my brothers. That was it. Beautiful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, Charmaine, um, thank you so much for giving us your time because we know, oh, I know that you're a very, very busy woman. So, so thank silly. you so much for um, giving us the time to talk with you today. We've had such a great conversation, um, just full of so many great pieces of advice. Even though, even though you don't give advice, but there were some, there was some good advice in there, especially when it comes to searching for um, a counselor that's like really gonna do the ethical. Thing to do, like ethical things so thank you so much um 
Adis, you want to say any final words? Yes, thank you so much. I've been really quiet because I'm soaking in so much knowledge. Like a lot of stuff, I'm mind blown. I had no clue about. And I just want to say thank you for coming and um, speaking with us. You're welcome. There's one thing, there's five things that I want to to leave you all with when it comes to the beauty beauty in singleness. And I know some of your listeners are going to be like, you know, some of them are really going to love my personality and my mindset behind singleness and some people are going to be threatened by it and I know that because this isn't the first platform I've had the conversation on and so there are five things that I want to communicate to those people that are in awe and the ones who are feeling threatened and feeling like they can't ever get to this place one you need to take your mental peace seriously if there's anybody in your life I'm not just talking about a partner your family members, friends, peers, colleagues that's getting in the way of your mental peace, let them go. Let Mm -hmm. them go, okay? Number two, you need to love yourself, period. You need to love yourself. I stand in front of the mirror naked at least once a week and compliment my body at least once a week. Because I need to love myself. And if I can't find within myself to give myself a compliment, I'll never be able to accept a compliment from anyone else. Number three, yeah. begin to get comfortable with doing things alone. Give it a try. Go and sit at a bar at a restaurant. Well, I mean, we're in a global pandemic. But in the, when coronavirus is over, <laughs> go sit in a bar and just have a meal by yourself. Maybe it's not dinner. Maybe that's too threatening. Try lunch. There's always a lunch crowd of people eating by themselves. Try lunch at first. Go somewhere. Go for a walk on your own. Go to an event by yourself. Get comfortable with doing things alone. Because people believe for whatever reason that because you get into a relationship there won't be moments when you're alone. So are you going to stop Correct. that are you going to allow that to stop you from eating and experiencing things? So find some comfort mm-hmm. in doing things alone. Be selfish. Be selfish with your time, with your energy, and with your space. Be selfish. And then also take the initiative to learn something new. You'll never know unless you try. One of the things that I decided to get into was learning how to sew. It's not really going well, but I'm trying it. (laughs) I'm trying it. I'm about to say, like, how was that? You know, it's going, it's going. You know, I'm trying to get my mama to teach me some things when I go home. But get, get comfortable with learning something new. Try something different. So those are my five things to, to leave the people with. Wow. Yes. Y'all take notes. <laughs> Jim dropping. Jim dropping. Jim dropping over here. Yes. Well, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Charmaine. That was great. I know I know I needed that today. Um mm-hmm. a great reminder for me personally. Thank you so much. Um were you gonna say were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say it's been a pleasure speaking with y'all and Kiki and with y'all today. Um <laughs> I can't wait to listen to the episode. Yeah. It's going to be, this is good. This is good. It's a great, it's a great way to start our season back. I'm excited. All righty. Well, y'all wait. have a good. So y'all tune in. Yes. And, and now I'm about to go pack <laughs> yes. my own self care and go get this coat. So y'all have a good day. Oh, yeah. 
You too. Bye, Charmaine. Thank you so much. Okay, now that episode had some serious gym dropping. I hope you guys took some great notes and that you're now on a search for a good counselor in your area because Charmaine dropped some wonderful tips on what to look for um, and find a counselor that's suitable for you because as we will continue to advocate here on our podcast, mental health matters. Please take care of your mental health. Up next, we have a quick little ad as we continue to support our Black businesses and I hope you guys continue to, to stay tuned in our podcast and support us here at I Know You Lion. Hello, you guys. I am Debrecia Everett, and I will be advertising our business, Double Decor, alongside my amazing business partner, Jessica Carthorn, just in case. You guys, Double Decor specializes in a plethora of things, such as clothes, shoes, jewelry, purses, lip gloss, embroidery, custom birthday outfits, birthday parties, baby showers, diaper cakes, I mean, you name it. Who knew fashion could be this sweet? You guys could follow us on Instagram at double.decor, on Facebook, Double Decor, or if you want to check out things that we've already done or things that we sell, you can go online to www.doubledecorshop.com. Or if you would like to see more things from Double Decor, you can send us an email at doubledecorshop at gmail.com. Thank you.